Hello, I'm Gavin, and this is Let's Govern, a podcast where I interview politicians, activists, and community leaders. Today, I talked to Jennifer White, a Mattoon business owner running to be a Mattoon city commissioner. Listen, as I talked to Jennifer about why she decided to run and about her plans if elected. My first question for you is, why did you decide to run for city council? Well, I went to the municipal election to vote in 2017, and all of the city commissioner candidates and the mayor were all running unopposed. And I got mad and I went home and I told my family that I was running for city council in 2021 and I started going to meetings. So over the course of The last four years, I've been to every kind of meeting you can be to, several of them, uh, budget workshops, you name it, and uh, just to working toward this, uh, I ran a state rep campaign in 2018, so I would know how to run a campaign, and I've just been training for this like Rocky since 2017, (laughs) and now it's, you know, less than three weeks away, and it's it's weird. I mean, it is really yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I remember hearing that you ran Shirley Bell's campaign um, yeah. in 2018, right? Yeah. Um, so like, what are some lessons that you learned um, from running her campaign? Well, I made a lot of contacts, um, you know, not with just people who were in unions or business owners, but also farmers, uh, everybody. I mean, people from all walks of life. Uh, I got to work with different kinds of media, uh, television, radio, uh, mailers, door hangers, canvassing, parade, events, fundraisers, uh, talking more than anything though, talking to people Mm -hmm. and, uh, becoming, it really helped me become a more active listener Mm -hmm. because I think that's a lot. I think that's really important. If you're going to be a public servant is, to know when not to talk. Mm. And a lot of people, they just, they want to be heard. They can even come into it and whatever they have to say to you, there's, they may not have no 90% that you're not going to be able to do anything to help them. You might, Mm -hmm. you know, they want to be heard. They want to know that you're listening and that you're always going to try your best. And that running a campaign would definitely uh, teach you to always try your best. Don't quit. It's definitely a long game and it's (laughs) exhausting but it's mm. worth it. Yeah, it definitely sounds worth it. Sorry um, about my phone. <laughs> no worries at all. <laughs> no no worries. Phone. So um, so you mentioned how you went to four years of meetings in the city council. So like, what, what have you learned from all those meetings? Um, uh, when I first started going, it, it sounded like I, was, I felt like I was taking a foreign language class. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the more I kept going, uh, things more things slowly started to make sense and the the current city commissioners uh most of them have done they have gotten back with me whenever i any questions i had if i called them emailed them uh they always were very giving of their time and answering my questions and that helped me learn a lot and i've also spent time talking to uh past city retired city employees uh city employees who don't necessarily live around here anymore and community members too that Mm -hmm. uh want to know you know they they want to tell you how they want their town to be 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, four years of meetings. Uh, I learned about all the different funds. There are actually 14 different wow. funds that go into a municipality. Uh, you know, some of them are as small as like the, you know, I think maybe 2% of our tax revenue goes to fund our library, but mm. that's a fund. And we have, mm. to, I mean, you know, the departments all have funds and uh, that was probably the most complicated thing. The, the rest of it, um, you know, writing up or um, writing ordinances, how to seek out grants, Mm -hmm. uh, when you want, you know, when you want to change something, a lot of that stuff I learned through being a board member at Mattoon Haven. Mm, And I've helped with, uh, well, I say I've helped with grant writing. I have assisted, I mean, in a limited capacity, but I am learning my way through that too. And, you know, being able to do that kind of stuff uh, is a lot about what being a city commissioner means too. how to look for funding. There's funding out there. You got to find it. You have to aggressively seek Mm -hmm. it. And uh, that's, it's the same uh, on a smaller scale with the stuff that we do with the Haven. You know, we have a nice donor base, but Mm -hmm. we also have to go out and actively seek federal state funding and, uh, so yeah, the four, yeah, four years of meetings. I mean, I, I, I learned how to be on city council. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so you mentioned the Haven, which is for people who don't know, organization that provides food and shelter um, for the homeless. Is there anything that matching city council can do better to help the homeless? Um, I think that we're, we're really fortunate as a community to have a facility like this. Um, a lot of times it having a facility like this, in my opinion, actually takes pressure off of the city had to have a, a mostly privately funded, you mm-hmm. know, through grants and private donors, uh, a facility that is made to help our most vulnerable get back up on their feet. So I think I, as far as what I think the city can do, uh, other than provide a listening ear and maybe a bit of a mouthpiece. Um, sometimes I think that uh, people in leadership need to take everybody's thoughts and feelings and opinions into account before they make decisions about the city. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes people who are in leadership roles, they get in their bubble of people who are just like them and they don't ever talk to anybody else. And one of honestly, my one thing I think makes me most qualified for this job is the fact that I deal with all different kinds of people every single day, not only through running my business, but mm-hmm. you know, I've started my days at a community breakfast with church pastors in town talking to them about the Haven. And then wow. I go and cut actually, I've been cutting um, guests' hair since 2014. I started doing that. Wow. And I've done that in the middle of the day and then go to a chamber event at night or something and, you know, deal with that portion of our community. And I've done all of that in the same day. And I think that my ability to do that makes it, it will make me, um, I'll be able to give a perspective in city decisions that maybe hasn't been given before. Yeah, for sure. Um, so of course you own your own business. Um, so like, what has it taught you that maybe will help you with the city council? Like you mentioned a lot of people's stories you've heard. Are there any stories that maybe you'll take with you to the city council? Well, yeah. I mean, I, uh, another thing I'm really lucky is that when you have a job like mine, I'm a hairstylist and 
I also have a really uh, varied cross-section of the community who comes in. I have everybody from former guests of the Haven who I used to cut their hair for free and now they pay me to, you know, I have, I mean, you know, every hairstylist has doctors and lawyers and, mm. you know, everything. I mean, so that variation of people that I have even in here, uh, that's a, you know, my job as a hairstylist too, just as much as doing hair is active listening. Mm. And I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm good at it. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, what else I think that having my own business has taught me is, uh, you know, when you have a job where you work for other people, um, you can, it's, it didn't, when I had a job working for other people, I wasn't as disappointed in myself. Mm -hmm. When I had enough with that job or I was time for me to move on or whatever, um, I waited tables while I was in cosmetology school and I told them I was going to work wow. there about two years while I got, I had a job at the mall before that I ran, mm -hmm. um, one of the clothing stores that I was the store manager, but wow. I knew that wasn't going to work around. I always wanted to do hair. And mm -hmm. so in 2007, I went back to school and I knew they wouldn't work around a schedule like, you know my work mm. wouldn't work around a, a student schedule like that. So I was like, okay, I'll get a job that will work around it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I waited tables and I, um, they worked, they were fantastic. I worked at the stadium, shout out stadium, still eat there, <laughs> love it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it taught me that having my own business now though, is really, I, the only person I'm really disappointing if I can't do this is myself. And that's mm. the worst of all. Yeah. And I, so, I mean, running your own business, you don't quit, you know, you know what it's always like to, you know, you walk on this tightrope of like utter between utter confidence and mm -hmm. I'm going out of business. I mean, mm. every day, that's my, like any successful business owner is always walking on that line. Mm -hmm. If they're not, they're doing it wrong because, yeah. you know, arrogance doesn't get you anywhere, but neither does sitting around doing nothing. So yeah. you always have to be, you know actively participating in your life <laughs> and in your work. And, um, I think that being self-employed has definitely taught me, I I'm self-motivated. I don't need someone, uh, to, uh, I don't need threats or I don't need written mm -hmm. up or I don't, I mean, I'm coming to work. I'm not, you know, cause the person I'm really letting down is me Yeah, and I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so one of your goals, um, as a city commissioner would be to transform the public image of Matt Toon. Um, so what would you say is the public image of Matt Toon currently and how could you make it better as a city commissioner? Okay, well, I think that the public image of Matt Toon now is one of, you know, we've had uh, in the last, I'll say 10 years, you know, we've had several factories that employed a lot of our people uh, go out of business. We've had a lot of people leave the state and move away for, various reasons. I think the most important reason is not, I don't think it's because of high taxes. Like a lot of people say, I think it's because of employment opportunities mm -hmm. and there are other, there are other cities, even in Illinois that are doing a lot better than Mattoon is. And I think that the, the public image of our town is just one that is starting to uh, our town is starting to look uh, run down in places. We haven't, mm. uh, as a municipality, we haven't really borrowed any significant money in about 10 years, which isn't a bad, it, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but mm -hmm. it shows. And 
we need, we, I think we're to a point now where our neighbors are doing things that we have missed those opportunities on. For example, uh, and this is kind of part of the answer to what I would try to do. Um, I would take advantage of business opportunities and try to get the ones back that we've missed. For example, a dispensary, you know, Effingham mm-hmm. got in on it when it was still medical and they were ready when recreational came available and or became legal also in Illinois. And that's an extra 3% sales income tax that the municipality can get on in addition to all the other taxes and fees that people are already paying. And, you know, mm-hmm. Charleston, when the first round, uh, the first opportunity came, for uh, us to, as uh, for municipalities to um, do that, get uh, registered for their, to get their licenses approved and st- that process, mm-hmm. we didn't, you know, we didn't do it when we, fir- when we first had the chance, well, Charleston did, and they have a dispensary now. And, you know, matching people are going there. And last year in Illinois, uh, Illinois sold $1 billion of recreational cannabis. Wow. I mean, you know, I want some of that money. And, um, in a, you know, in addition to that, we have medical patients that live here. Some of them have caretakers and my dad was my mom's caretaker, uh, mm-hmm. as her health was failing. And if my mom didn't know where my dad was, she was panicked almost mm-hmm. all the time. And when caretakers have to leave their people, it's bad for everybody. And it would be nice for medical patients if there was an option more locally and they wouldn't have to travel. um, The ones who can't or their caretakers, you know, it's more difficult for their caretakers to get away. I think that that that's um, that is solid tax revenue that we actually are pretty flexible as as a city of how we can spend that, for example, gas tax, you know, all the, the gas that we sell, the tax we get from that, it has to go to infrastructure as far as like streets and things like that. Mm-hmm. This income from uh, can recreational cannabis income, we can, we're more flexible about how we can spend that. And mm-hmm. that's great. Um, another, you know, those are, that's more of like a short-term goal. I really think we should be ready when, uh, when, this, uh, the rest of the state starts opening up more, uh, for Mm -hmm. tourism, visiting, you know, people are going to want to get out. We need to be ready for that. Um, I really think that towns that plan a lot of events, especially events that bring in a certain kind of enthusiast, like, uh, example, the train, you know, the, the history of the train through Mattoon. Oh yeah you know, that's a very significant part of our history. And we have a really cool train depot that's been renovated. And what about having some kind of festival that incorporates the history of our town with maybe trains, model trains, and we could get enthusiasts of railroad Mm -hmm. and model train stuff to come here and, you know, hang out, spend some money. Uh, We can use that to invest in our town. And there's also a I do think that we should more aggressively start marketing marketing Mattoon to companies that hire Lakeland graduates. That's a major source of employment in our area. And if we could offer, I think offering incentives to those companies that would hire our Lakeland graduates, yes, we would lose a little bit of tax revenue and offering that incentive, but we would be getting good paying jobs to our area people wanting to live here, um, people spending money in the town. And I think the benefits would outweigh what we would be losing through those incentives. I think that would be um, a smart and sustainable investment Mm -hmm. in our community. 
uh, something else maybe, you know, you, we can't do uh, another long-term kind of thing would be to, um, we have access to, uh, it's, it's called TIF funding and it's through mm -hmm. a redevelopment act in the state of Illinois. And we have a few places in town that are designated TIF districts, redevelopment project areas. And what we can do is we can, we can basically borrow some money to use to invest in these properties to make them more um, attractive and appealing to either small business. We can use those on houses, residential areas to get them cleaned up too. Mm -hmm. The downside to it is yes, it does, it does come at a cost, but the cost is paid back over the next 25 years from mm -hmm. the increase in property tax that that uh, updated or restored property or residential area or whatever the additional property tax that brings in goes to keep the funding going for other people. You know, mm -hmm. they do come at a cost, but I think we're to a point in our town where uh, I think this election is very, very important. And I think it's going to, who we elect now, it's going to really help decide what direction our town is going to go. If we're going to mm -hmm. just continue cutting and cutting, or if we're going to start making smart and sustainable investments in our community that will outlive us, that will benefit mm -hmm. us. We have to start looking at the long game. We, I mean, this is so cliche, but we kind of have to go big or we're going to go broke. And mm. if we keep doing nothing, we're definitely going to go broke. Yeah. That was the longest answer ever. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no worries at all. Okay. Um, so, you, but so, I think those things will help um, if we can do those kinds of things. That will help improve the public opinion of our town. Uh, what other yeah. people think of our town. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm thinking, what what's the town that has like all the big things? Oh, um, Casey. Yeah. Casey, Illinois. Exactly, dude. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like stuff like that. I mean, you know, out here where we live in, <clears throat> pardon me, kind of the flatlands, you know, it's, it is fun to just take a day trip somewhere and go look at some different scenery. Yeah. And killing it. They are killing it, Gavin. I mean, mm -hmm. their, their sales, uh, sales tax revenue just from people visiting there, they are killing it. Effingham, you know, they're doing it right too. I mean, they are, I, they are just, they're doing it right. They're uh, recruiting the right kinds of businesses. They're doing it smart. Their downtown is uh, looking, you know, a lot better than it did 10 years ago. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. yeah. And I just, um, when I look around, I see so much potential here and mm -hmm. I just, it makes me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, are you thinking maybe like commission an artist to come to Matt tune and maybe, I don't know, do something like Casey, Illinois, um, maybe like for artwork somewhere or display like something unique. Well, we do have um, a, a local artist and he has painted a lot of murals around town. Actually, my shop, the east uh, wall right over here, mm -hmm. the other side of it is one of his murals. Oh, wow. And that's part of the reason I wanted this place because it was just, <laughs> I'm like, that is so cool. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, and he's done a lot of really cool, cool murals around town. But I do think that, uh, you know, like Celebration um, Charleston. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, it's it's been a while since they, they had it. <laughs> what it, well, 
they cut it out for a little bit and then they brought it back. We had it again for a year or two and then COVID happened. So mm -hmm. anyhow, you know, that brings in a lot of local artists. Um, I know Matthew has tried to, maybe it was called artworks. If I'm not mistaken, that the city has done that a couple times, mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes you have to do something more than a couple times before it catches on and mm -hmm. people know that it's there. It's just, you know, it's part of it. It's like starting a business too. You know, the first year you lose money. The second year you hopefully break even the third year, hopefully things are better. It's mm -hmm. kind of like that with planning events and, and doing those kinds of things too. It, yes, it's a gamble, but it's worth it. Yeah, for because, sure. You know, it's, we have to start doing that stuff, more of it. People want it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess you already covered this question, but it was <laughs> in my uh, diatribe from. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like, how could um, my question was, how could Mattoon City Council work to attract people to live in Mattoon? But I think you already answered that with um, bringing in new businesses with um, TIFFs. Well, and I do think too, since we're already on the subject, the I do think that if we could uh, maybe get a few newer residential areas outside, like on the outskirts of town, there are people that prefer to live um, in more of like a suburban, you know, not that Mattoon mm -hmm. is urban by any means, <laughs> but they, you know, some people do want to mm -hmm. be outside of town just a bit. Yeah. They don't mind, you know, they don't mind if the grocery store is 10 minutes away or mm -hmm. if, you know, they, they don't mind that kind of stuff. You know, other people want to be able to walk to the grocery store and they, yeah. or they, they don't want a yard to mow. They don't, you know, and I think that some residential offer offering some more residential areas. Um, we got to bring the jobs here though. It's all a balance. You know, mm -hmm. we have to, we can't build the houses before we have the jobs. Yeah. Or, I mean, we as not the city, but you know, I mean, just mm -hmm. as a, a group of a, a collaborative group mm -hmm. of people, you know, we, we can't build the houses until we have the jobs, but we have to have the jobs, but not wait too long to build the houses because, you know, we don't want them to move out of town. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, and it's going to take, um, it's going to take a, a group of people who are very committed to working as a team Yeah. to get yeah. some, to get it done yeah, and are for in sure. it for the long game too. Not just, you know, you know, I just want to give this a try and see what happens. I mean, these, we need people who are committed to this and who do see things in the long term. And, you know, some of our ideas might seem kind of crazy. I mean, there was a, you know, there was a time where we used to have a homeless shelter in town that was only open for 12 hours a day and didn't mm. even serve meals. And then we opened a community kitchen and then, you know, it progressed from there. And there was a time that we said, wouldn't it be great in this town if we had a fully functional facility to help these people get back on their feet and people thought it was a crazy idea you know, and they mm -hmm. didn't think it could be done and it got done. And in 2018 that, you know, the Haven opened and now we're talking about uh, starting transportation, some kind of transportation system for our guests. Most, uh, most cities that have a place like the Haven are bigger than us and have a more substantial city transit, public transportation mm -hmm. system. Mattoon doesn't, you know, through the day, but not so much in the evening and stuff. We don't have that. So we're trying to figure out how we can develop some kind of transportation system. And yeah, that seems crazy, but watch us. I mean, mm -hmm. we're going to figure it out and we're going to do it. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, even if we have to be the first rural area that's ever done something like this, and sometimes it's the crazy ideas that end up happening. And mm-hmm. I think it's time for some new ideas, maybe a little bit of crazy ideas. I don't pretend that every idea I have is good, <laughs> but you have to put all the ideas out there and then weed out the ones you don't want and put the ones you, you know, you have to do that. It's, um, it's just, yeah. it's time for it. Yeah. Um, so another one of your goals, um, on the Matt Tune City Council is to adequately staff, um, all the city departments. So I'm kind of curious, what is the current situation right now with, um, the city departments? Okay. So, uh, I'll start with public works because it's, um, okay. They should have, uh, pie in the sky in a world where they are kings and queens, they should have 24 employees. Mm-hmm. They have, uh, they are getting ready to hire a couple. So I think it's getting ready to go up from 11 to mm-hmm. 13. And mm-hmm. that is uh, a city council's first job before everything else, even before, pu- you know, economic development and all the other stuff that we've talked about is public safety. Mm-hmm. And we have to provide for public safety and our, when our public works department is that short staffed and we get a foot of snow, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was three or four days before, uh, the town was truly, uh, passable without too much Mm -hmm. problems from the snow still, you know, that's not public works fault. They're doing the very best they can. I mean, we can't have, you know, sleepy snowplow drivers, driving Mm -hmm. through town they got to sleep sometime and they were doing the best they could we have to but it was a public safety issue because the getting the snow removed from the middle of our downtown streets where it had been piled up you know that made uh some unsafe situations for our uh drivers because they couldn't see when they're turning and you know no places to park things like that you know that's a public safety issue and before we do anything else, we, we have to make sure that we are doing our very best to provide for public safety. Mm -hmm. And with our police department right now, I believe they are at 37. Uh, their pie in the sky number was 42. So Mm -hmm. they are not terribly short. Uh, you know, that they are doing a lot of stuff right now to get ready for the changes that are coming in July with the new uh, criminal reform, mm-hmm. the, the ju- criminal justice reform bill. And I think I didn't say that correctly, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, you know, so they're busy with that. Fortunately, um, Mattoon, a lot of the stuff that that uh, reform bill wants to happen, Mattoon already does. Uh, the a lot of the training that they wanted the police officers to have our police officers have already been doing. They wear all of the, the body cam stuff, the, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the, all that. I I wish I knew more about it, but all of the, the require, a lot of long story short, a lot of the requirements are already being met. The police officers that I talked to, I went on a ride along uh, a few weeks ago. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Gavin. (laughs) So it was like, three weeks, three or four weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer. And I wanted to go when it wasn't going to be like, I didn't, I don't want to be a cop. You know, I, I don't <laughs> need to see you pull anybody over. Yeah. I, I don't need to do a, a shakedown or what I, see, I don't yeah. even know what it's called. Okay. I wanted no part of it. So I went yeah. like Monday morning at 8am. Perfect. Nothing mm-hmm. going on. 
And I had really good talks with a couple of police officers. Uh, the, the push toward having mental health professionals to help with some of, uh, you know, uh, police officers shouldn't have to be marriage counselors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot uh, in Mattoon, the most, we get the most calls for uh, domestic disturbances. Mm. So whenever a domestic disturbance happens, our police department sends two, uh, un- two cops, two yeah. cars to the, to the, wherever they're going to help keep everybody safe. And, you know, but they're not marriage counselors. They're not, our police aren't mm-hmm. guidance counselors. You know, yeah. they want to go out and um, they, they, I mean, they love their jobs and they love serving the public, but they, sometimes they do wish that they had more time to get the bad guys um, mm-hmm. instead of diffusing situations that you don't need a police officer for at all. Yeah. And I'm not trying to put words into our police officers' mouths, mm-hmm. or, you know, that, but every police officer that I talk to is supportive of having mental health professionals, not only around to help with our citizens and some of the Mm -hmm. problems that uh, the police get called for, but also to help our police officers with their well-being. Yeah. And, you know, they, I mean, you know, their lives are really, their personal lives are really hard too. Their job makes their personal lives hard too. And it's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it would be beneficial for everybody. Uh, yeah. that works in law enforcement to, to have better access to mental health uh, yeah. people. And as far as the fire department goes uh, right now, there are 22, we have 22 fighter firefighters. Uh, the, the number that we are supposed to have is kind of in limbo right now because mm-hmm. uh, in 20, I believe it was 2018, the, the city decided that the, a city ambulance service that was run through our fire department was not making enough, wasn't bringing in enough revenue to keep it in the budget. Mm. So they stopped having it. Oh no. Um, and that's in court. Uh, there's also problems, not only with the city ambulance service, but also with contract negotiations between mostly our fire commissioner and the, mm. the fireman union that has also ended us up in court. Uh, for the city, it's been kind of expensive. I know, right? For the city, it's been kind of expensive. Uh, over the course of three years, the city has spent um, a little over $200,000 in legal fees. The city has lost the litigation so badly that they had to also pay the firefighter union's legal fees. At oh one gosh. point in time, um, a judge threatened to hold our fire commissioner in contempt of court if he did not start returning the correspondence of the fire department union. And it's, uh, it's not great. The, uh, the city's relationship with our fire department right now is, is not great at all. And Mm -hmm. there is a lot of community support for reinstating our city ambulance service. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not very, I mean, it's a process. It's not something, you know, you don't just make a phone call and say, everybody start up your ambulance. (laughs) Go. So mm-hmm. the first thing that would need to happen is we would need to get a city council elected where so, what, the commissioner who is in charge of the fire department would mm-hmm. help the would assist in getting the paperwork ready. And the first step would be to at least have our fire department start taking um, medical calls again 
which what mm -hmm. that means, they call it co-dispatching. And so let's say I uh, run into my hair salon with my car. They mm -hmm. co-dispatch um, the the fire department and Mitchell Jordan because our the city's ambulances are not functional right mm -hmm. now, which is another separate story uh, that I'll get into in a minute. But okay. they would co-dispatch Mitchell Jordan, which is our private ambulance service and the fire department. Uh, the, fi the fire department will assist with care and then Mitchell Jordan will give them a ride essentially to mm. the hospital where they need to go or whoever, you know, that was in that. Yeah. So that is a start to getting uh, our firemen back or our firefighters back into the, the city ambulance service again, not to mention our taxpayers are still paying for this service. Um, granted they're not paying, you know, mm -hmm. the service on the ambulances anymore, but they are, the taxpayers are still paying the stipend that our firefighters get for being paramedics, but mm -hmm. our firefighters cannot answer, uh, the, the range of calls that our fire department medical calls that our fire department is allowed to answer now is mm -hmm. very low. Really? Um, and it, yes. If there's a car accident, like there has to be, uh, an airbag deployment or, you know, if, uh, mm. yeah, there has to be, there's certain words that they have to look for when they're, and depending on what's wrong or what you're calling for, that's mm -hmm. how they decide who gets dispatched. And mm. it's, um, the people, our public doesn't, the, the people don't like it. Um, mm -hmm. I do think it's jeopardizing our public safety, uh, our mm -hmm. firemen do not like it. The firemen <laughs> do not like it at all. Yeah. Uh, I can't really say whether I think, I think our current city government felt that it, they must've felt it was the right thing to do. Uh, but you know, it's not too late to start to make it right. I mean, we won't get the $200,000 back that we've spent in legal fees, but mm -hmm. it is not too late to start the process of making things right again. As far mm -hmm. as the ambulances go, um, two years ago, a little over two years ago, the city decided that they were to be, um, they de declared that they were surplus property and they were to be sold. And uh, two, that was two years ago. They are sitting out at Lake Paradise Water Treatment Plant. Hmm. They've never been sold. Um, they, wow. Yeah. So I went, I did go out there and take a few pictures. Uh, <laughs> they're, they don't look like they're in super bad condition. I'm not a mechanic, mm -hmm. so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're still out there. Wow. Nice, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the, um, I mean, there's a lot more departments than just, you know, public works, fire and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the police department, but yeah, I mean, our other city departments, to my knowledge are, have enough staffing, have the things they need to do their job, but you know, public works, fire, and our police department, as far as public safety mm -hmm. goes, that's, yeah. that's, that's the big three, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for so. sure. Um, so why do you think the current city or the current, the past couple of years, city council has pretty much failed on these issues that you're talking about? Um, I do. Th I think that they believe they did the right thing. I think that they thought there was nothing else to cut. And that was the, 
the mm -hmm. thing that was that was what was next on the chopping block they didn't know what else to do and that's what they did um as far as contract negotiations go and stuff that lies more on the fire commissioner than the mm -hmm. rest of the city council the the city ambulance service that lies more on the hands and in the laps of the current council and the current mayor mm -hmm. but um um as far as the city ambulance service goes the I, in my personal opinion, I think the reason it's still stuck in court and every time that uh, they just, it gets reappealed, every time a decision's made, it gets reappealed hmm. is I do think that uh, the numbers that the fire department, before they shut down the city ambulance service, this fire department was taking a lot more calls than they currently are now. Mm -hmm. And that if those kinds of trends continue and our fire department at their current staffing is, uh, you know, taking 3000 or 2000 less calls a year, then that gives the city more cause to be able to say that we don't need as many firefighters. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that uh, that's part of the I, I don't think it's necessarily that they bailed on it. I think they're trying to win their court case, yeah. um, you know, and I think that that's, I think that's how they're trying to do it. That is just my opinion. It just seems, mm -hmm. to, I mean, you know, knowing a little bit that I, I don't know a lot about how the court system works. I'm not going to pretend I do, but mm -hmm. every time that that appeal comes back up in front of a judge, the judge looks at the current numbers, not at the numbers from the last uh, decision mm -hmm. and every those numbers every time a judge sees them are going down and down and down from the numbers mm -hmm. that are of calls that our fire department is taking because they can't take medical calls if that mm -hmm. keeps going yeah. you know it, it looks like yes the city maybe could win that lawsuit with the with the city ambulance service wow but it's not what's good for our people yeah it's for not. sure absolutely um so on the topic of police reform, which you briefly mentioned, um, do you support the defund the police movement? Uh, police, like the way that police do their job, that's not, um, that's not an issue that only has two answers. It has to really be looked into. And just mm -hmm. giving a blanket statement like defund the police, that's not really accurate. There's nothing wrong with always rethinking how you're doing something. And when you know better, you can do better. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is what people are calling for. I don't think they're calling for anybody to lose their funding. I think they're calling for people um, in law enforcement, people in municipal leadership positions, people in state and federal leadership positions to rethink you know, and if you know better, then do better. Mm -hmm. um, I that's what I think that police. That's what police reform means to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, is you know, yeah. I mean, you just got. We have to always rethink how we're doing things. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if we better, just because this one, you know, maybe this one way, yes, it kind of worked. But if we can do better, we should. Mm -hmm. and, and we have an obligation to. Yeah. And you briefly mentioned before how you thought maybe dispatching um, mental health experts to some calls instead of um, officers, which I think mm -hmm. is like one part of the movement. Well, and I don't see, you know, a domestic disturbance. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with a police officer and a mental health professional answering a call like that, because, you know, nobody wants 
no city, no anybody wants to put people in harm's way for no reason, you know, Mm -hmm. and having that um, authority figure in uh, as in the law enforcement officer with the mental health professional, you know, that might help um, keep a situation that was going into a crisis mode from getting Mm -hmm. to that point. You know, the the police officer can help keep the mental health professional safe. The, Mm -hmm. you know, the mental health professional can help the police officer diffuse the situation. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and that also saves another police officer from two in our uh, being specific to Mattoon, Mm -hmm. you know, if two officers are answering every domestic dispute and those are the we have the most calls for domestic disputes in this town that's Mm -hmm. our number one yeah and if you're saving another police officer for to go fight the bad guys so to speak and you're diffusing this situation with only one police officer and a mental health professional i i i don't see that as a losing situation you know i'm also not a police officer i'm also not a mental health professional Mm -hmm. um I hope to be uh, in city government, but I, you know, I also, I, I'm not afraid to say, I don't know what I don't know, mm-hmm. you know? And I, so, I mean, that's my take on it from the reading that I've done. And uh, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to move on to a different topic, which sure. is tr- transparency. So another goal of yours is transparency on the city council. Um. So my question is, how transparent is the city council currently? And what could you do to make it more transparent if you were elected? Um, I honestly don't really want to answer the question about <laughs> how I think the current city council is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, our current city council has been in office for the last eight years. This is the end of their, their basically all of them have served just about two terms. We did mm-hmm. lose our mayor a few months ago. So right now they're only, you know, Sandra Graven is the acting mayor and the other three commissioners are mm-hmm. still the commissioners. But um, essentially they have been our local government leaders for the last eight years. And mm-hmm. like I said at the beginning, when you asked me why I was running and I said I went in to vote and they were all running unopposed, well, you know, it's kind of about oversight and efficiency and having, um, have, when people are not opposed, when nobody is checking what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, well, when you're not being held accountable, you know, maybe, uh, I mean, I'm a self-employed person, so I hold mm-hmm. myself accountable. I hold yeah. myself more accountable than anybody will ever hold me. And yeah. that is just the way that I am. But when you don't have any motive, if you're not self-motivated to be accountable and no one from the public is holding you accountable, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I can't say it's unreasonable to say that transparency is lost when nobody is asking questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, over the last four years, I've been going to all these meetings and, you know, there's, there's a couple of people, actually, I, a couple of friends I've actually mm-hmm. made doing this because we were just concerned community people who were showing up to know, you yeah. know I, I mean, I wasn't bashful about that. I was going to run for city council in 2021 because mm-hmm. I wanted to get myself used to saying it, but it wasn't yeah. something I didn't walk into city council meetings going, Hey, yo, I'm <laughs> for all four years, you know, it didn't count. Down. 
but you know, uh, there were a lot of times I was the only person from the community there. The only person. Wow. I mean, our, la our last census, there were 17,000 people almost in this mm -hmm. town and I'm the only one, you know, that's when, crazy. You know, and in our last municipal election, less than 10% of our, of our registered voters voted in the election. When hmm. you put all those things together, what's to keep people being transparent and telling mm -hmm. you what's going on if you're not self-motivated to do so? So I, I guess when I said I didn't want to answer the question, I, I'm not going to say I don't blame them for not yeah. being transparent, but, you know, a mayor, four city council people, 11 public works employees, 22 firemen and 38 cops cannot run. And, you know, tourism and the other departments, they can't mm -hmm. run this town. I mean, it's not up to just those, what, 114 city employees, I think is about how many city mm -hmm. employees Mattoon has altogether. It's, it's not just up to those 114 people to run the show when yeah. there's 17,000 of us, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that, um, when, when you get your, when people get themselves into those kinds of situations, what is there to keep them transparent mm -hmm. and, you know, accountable. And that, um, I actually, I made it this, when we were talking about the fire department stuff, I, mm -hmm. I am trying to have a very active social media page on, yeah. uh, on Facebook and mm -hmm. I made a video about the fire department and all that information. I told you, I just broke it down. I talked to the city. I asked the city what was going on. I talked to the fire, some representatives from the firefighters union. I said, Hey, what's mm -hmm. your side of this? And then I made a video exactly explaining everything that's going on. And I, that's what being a public servant is. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to tell it like it is. We're supposed yeah. to be thinking about the future. We're supposed to be proactive whenever we can be. Um, we are supposed to tell people what's up, even if it's mm -hmm. not good. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, this isn't rainbows and leprechauns, happy St. Patrick's Day, this <laughs> rainbows and leprechauns and yeah. uh, roses, you know, even if things kind of suck, you better, I mean, you got to say it how it is, because that's how people want it. And yeah. I, there, and another reason that I want to just tell it like it is, is because I won't remember it any other way. And I mm. don't want to have to. And so, it, I mean, it's just how I want to do it. Yeah. Um, so my final question for you today. Okay. So um, there are 12 candidates for city council um, and only four open seats. Um so what makes you different from the other 12 candidates or like in essence, why should people vote for you? I think people should vote for me because I've put in the work to do this. Uh, I have been going to city council meetings for almost four years now. And uh, I feel like I'm organized and I'm prepared and I'm ready. Um, I'm not just running to, to run. I'm actually prepared and ready to do this. And I want to win. I really want this job. Um, I think that my experiences with being a small business owner and, and because my job, uh, co what comes with that is a very, uh, very varied <laughs> cross section of people <laughs> and opinion mm -hmm. and walks of life. And plus the stuff that I do at the Haven, you know, puts me mm -hmm. in touch with a big group of people here that are all, you know, all are actually very different from each other. But I think that we all want the same things for our town. And I think that I'm in a unique position to be able to take all of those opinions and all of those ideas 
mm-hmm. into consideration and not just make a decision that is good for this, this one small group of people, but bad for everybody else. Yeah. I, I understand what it's, um, what it's like to, you know, when you, I know what it's like when you know that you have to do the best for the most people, not mm-hmm. for just some people. And I will always think about that. And I will always remember that what my job is as a public servant and to act accordingly. Uh, I am very much for uh, public forums. I, mm-hmm. I do think, I don't know how a lot of the other candidates feel like that about that, but uh, before pre-COVID, of course, I mm-hmm. don't think that our city did enough public forums or reaching out to the community to actually find out what they think about things. And with social media and technology and just all this cool stuff, it's too mm-hmm. easy to find out what people think. It's not <laughs> hard. Yeah. You know? And I just think that, um, and people want to tell you, they want to be heard. All you just have to do is listen. Mm-hmm. And I know how to do that. Um, and that's, yeah. uh, I do think that there are some other very, very well-qualified candidates out there. Uh, so I think people do have some tough choices to make, <laughs> but I, I do think that uh, compared to the other candidates, I am probably uh, just in my experiences of going to the meetings and mm-hmm. learning about things that way. I think that I uh, would definitely be an asset to our city government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for um, the interview today. This was, <laughs> it was super fun. Thank you. Yeah, it was so much fun interviewing you today. So it was a pleasure. Thank you. Again. I really appreciate it. And that's the podcast. But before you go, I want to tell you a bit about my own initiative, Represented USA. Represented USA is a website that has a lot of resources to help you get involved in your central Illinois community. There are petitions for and against active Illinois legislation and a list of organizations for you to consider volunteering for, all on the website. I plan to add more resources soon, but for now, take a look at representedusa.com. The URL is in the show notes.